You're listening to the Light for Living podcast, featuring the sermons of Emmanuel Baptist Church in El Dorado, Arkansas, where Dr. Clark Whitney serves as senior pastor. Join us for verse-by-verse messages through the life-changing Word of God. Along the way, we'll also feature devotional thoughts, Bible studies, and interviews, all designed to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. I always like to be transparent with everyone, right? So it was kind of funny that Mitch chose to sing the last song before I came up here, Waymaker, Waymaker Miracle, Miracle Worker, as I stutter, because fun fact, while I was in college, I had to take speech twice. So I never thought um, that God would use me in the ways that he has, um, but I'm so thankful that, that through college and through uh, just people um, just pouring into me that I continually to grow in my ministry and uh, it's just, I'm just reminded every day of, of how powerful and the miracles that God works in our lives. Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about this statement that I feel like a lot of us had made uh, throughout our life. And it's this idea of it being a new year and a new me, right? I think all of us have probably said that before or know somebody that does, or maybe we make a New Year's resolution. Um, I'm not one of those type of people. I feel like my wife makes one about she's going to drink more water, and then so she buys a new type of water bottle, and we probably have like 15 in the house. Um, but we know people like that, right? We, we have this idea of this new year, new me, because I think this, this idea of it being a new year and a new me is so enticing because of all the mistakes we make of the year, right? All the bad decisions we make, maybe the times that we've wandered, maybe the times that we find ourselves uh, not as committed to our walk as we should be. We find all these ways throughout the year that we don't meet these goals that we have. But this today, this day, with this being the last day of the year, I thought how fitting it would be to sit and to talk about this statement about how this new year knew me. See, we look at our life kind of like a blank, blank canvas at the beginning of the year, right? We start off, but as the year goes on, we start to see that, that our sin problem, in our, with our sin problem, our canvas ends up with all of these mistakes. See, we see our errant brush strokes because of the times we wandered, the paint blotches because of our sin. We find ourselves looking at our canvas we call our life and think, this masterpiece is ruined. But we know that that is far from the truth. And this morning, we're going to look at somebody who had the, a canvas that was just full of just destruction. A canvas that we thought there is no way that God could use this, this and turn it into a beautiful work of art. One used for His glory. Our main text for this morning is going to be found in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 31. Acts chapter 9. And we're going to be looking at, at verses 1 through 31. Now that's going to be our, our key body of text for this morning. Uh, but our main verse is actually going to be up on the screen. This is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. As we look at this idea of a new year, new me, uh, this verse fits it perfectly. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I want you to keep in, in, uh, this verse in mind as we, we start to look at the life of, of Saul, the conversion of Saul, because we know later on that Saul conversion who converts to Paul, changes his name, is the author of this verse here, right? And we're going to see how his life applies to this verse perfectly through the story of his conversion. So we're going to have three points this morning, and I'm going to go ahead and give them to you for those of you who take notes. The first being the wake-up call. We're going to look at the life of Saul, 
and leading up to this, and we're going to see the wake-up call. We're going to find that in verses 1 through 9. The second point that we're going to see this morning is the change, and that's going to be found in verses 10 through 20. And then the last point being the impact, which is found in verses 21 through 31. So let's go ahead and pray real quick before we uh, start with our first point this morning, all right? Uh, dear Lord, uh, you're so grace, uh, gracious, Father, and even in our mistakes, Father, you still work wonders through our lives. Father, I just pray that as we uh, go through your word, Father, that your word would speak to us, that we would see um, how no matter our mistakes, Father, you still uh, can use us in a mighty way. In your name I pray, amen. So the first thing we're going like, to look at in the life of Saul is going to be the wake-up call. And we're going to start by reading verses 1 through 9. It says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them to be, to be them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and ye will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. So we know that if we look uh, previously at the end of Acts chapter 7, and then at the beginning of Acts chapter 8, we see Saul kind of had a history of doing this. We see that not only was he there um, at the stoning of uh, Stephen, and he approved of the execution, but we know that into chapter 8, that he did the exact same thing here, where he had uh, the ability to go, and he said that he was ravaging the church in Jerusalem, entering houses and dragging men and women out and committing them to prison. So as we go to chapter 9, we see that along his, his journey here, he, he did this previously in Jerusalem, and now we find him into Damascus, where he has the, the authority to go, and it says, arrest those of the way, arrest those who are Christians, who are believers. And it says, while he was on his way to Damascus, what ends up happening to him? It says, a bright light blinds him. And we find a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And we know and see in verse 5, it says, who are you, Lord? Now, I remember asking one of my professors in college, you know, we get to this moment here where Saul is, is saying, who are you, Lord? So we're thinking, okay, well, who, who is Lord? How, how does he know who this is, Right? Well, we know that it was a custom for those people who have authority, right, to be addressed as Lord. So at this moment, Saul doesn't really know who he's talking to. As far as we know, Saul is blind, and he's recognizing the authority that he is hearing, and he's addressing them as Lord. And then we find in Jesus' response, he tells them, he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the, seat, the city, and then you will be told what to do. We see that he's given directions and then an act of faith. So we think to ourselves, what does this wake-up call look like in our own lives? Sometimes a wake-up call can be kind of subtle. You see, growing up, my dad was the king of giving me tasks to do in the house, but he would never write it or tell me in person. 
It would always be something either on a post-it note or on, I don't know if your parents do it, but like old mail. And they were never like on the fridge or like in places you could find. It was like a scavenger hunt every time your parents told you what you needed to do. And I'll never forget, my dad needed me to mow the grass. Well, I didn't know that the mower that I had to blow up the tires. And on the note, on the sticky note that was on a cabinet that was about this high, there was a note that says, you need to air up the tires before you mow the grass. Well, I got out there for about 30 minutes trying to, get, trying to find the, 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 be able to blow the tires up. I got so frustrated, I was like, I'm not doing it. Well, sometimes in our life, that's kind of like what a wake-up call looks, for it, looks like. Sometimes in our life, we have to kind of look for it. Sometimes if we're, not, if we're not looking for the goal in mind, we miss it. And then we end up getting chewed out by your dad because we don't mow the grass when we're supposed to. But we look at here for Paul, or for Saul, his wake-up call is very, very blatant, right? We see this bright light coming in and getting our attention. Some of us here have had that happen in our life. When, we, when God revealed himself to us and we realized the need for our sin, that our canvas was covered in sin, we realized at that moment, I need Jesus. So this, the call, the wake-up call. Some of us may have been like the prodigal son. Some of us, when it comes to the call, we continually run away from it. Kind of like the saying, if you give somebody enough rope, you'll... You can talk, it's fine. Hang yourself, right? We all know people. Some of us have those type of people in our family. And we just sit back and we pray that the Lord will get their attention. So we see that each and every one of us will experience a wake-up call in our life. The second point that we see is this. We see the change. And this is in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 20. It says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. We saw in verse 1 through 9 how Saul was given a wake-up call. In verses 10 through 20, we see a change. Remember, Saul's canvas was littered with past mistakes and decisions. And I feel like a lot of us can relate to Ananias during this, this story. You see, you find Ananias... And God has asked him to go to Saul. And you probably think, you want me to go to him? Not happening. But what does God say? God says that he is a chosen instrument. It didn't matter what Saul did. What mattered what, was, what he was going to do. You see, he went from persecuting 
to proclaiming. So what does that mean to us? Two things. Number one, who we were before Christ isn't who we are in Christ. Who we were before Christ isn't who we are in Christ. You see, you look at verses 10 through 17. When the Lord called Ananias to go, his response in verse 13 was this. If I can find it, there it is. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Don't, know this guy, don't you know this guy's reputation? The things they have done? The authority he has? I'm not getting mixed up with him. Is this a joke? I'll believe it when I see it. I'm sure we can all relate to how Ananias responded in that verse. We've all been guilty of it. We could probably picture a person right now. But God says it doesn't matter for they are a chosen instrument to be used for his glory. And I'm so thankful that God says the same thing about me. The second point that we see from that for us is new believers need believers. New believers need believers. In verse 17, it says, So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Lord sent Ananias to Saul, and as a church, we should be doing the same. New believers need believers. We are commissioned by the Lord to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. So I want to ask you this question. So are we holding people to their past or are we helping them move forward? Are we holding people to their past or are we helping them move forward? So we see the wake-up call, something that we all experience at some point in our lives. We see the change that happens once we decide to follow Christ. And then we see the third point, the impact, which is in Acts chapter 9, verses 21 through 31. And all who heard him were amazed and said, it is, not this man, is it not this man who had made havoc in Jerusalem of all those who called upon his name? And he has not come here, and he has not come here for this purpose, but to bring them bound before the chief priests. But Saul increased all more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, knowing, lowering him in a basket. And when he had came to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him in and brought him to the apostles and declared to them to, and how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. You see, Saul went from persecutor to persecuted. The radical change was quickly noticed by everyone. In verse 21, it says that all were amazed, and said, is this not the man? You see that he even wasted no time causing a stink either. As soon as he immediately received this change in him, what does he do? 
he goes and starts, it says he confounded the Jews. He goes and starts preaching the word of the gospel of who Jesus is. And they end up wanting to kill him. So you're probably thinking, well, he's such a close call. He has to get lowered through a basket. He's going to stop. Instead, he goes to the previous city and does what? The same thing again. So we see the impact. Because not only did Paul start going around and sharing the gospel, but even the enemy, the ones that he used to live with before, tried to kill him because of the impact he started to have to the people around. Because they were probably thinking, if this man could change, why can't I? So just like Saul, our stories can have an impact on those around us. You know, when I think about my own personal story, uh, it really, you can say it has two stories within one. The first, you can say, is a story of brokenness. You see, I, I grew up uh, with two divorces. Uh, before I was one, my parents were divorced. And uh, when I was 14, my biological dad and my stepmom got a divorce. And at that time, I was old enough to really see uh, the devastation that it could cause. Um, and it, did not, it was not an easy one. And because of that, because of the things I experienced, that was the first, like you could say, the catalyst um, that, that started the battle with, uh, with my battle with depression and anxiety. But see, there's a second side to my story, and that is God's faithfulness. You see, my parents got divorced before I was one. But then my mom ended up marrying the man that at the age of seven would put me down on his bed and lead me to Christ. And then at 14, when everything started getting difficult for me, because church was a priority in my family, although it took a little bit longer than I'd like to say, I realized that I could cast my burdens and anxieties onto his shoulders. And then because of the discipleship of my family, and my dad, and my youth pastor, I felt the call to ministry when I was 16. And then from that call is where I am today. And all of that happens because of the brokenness that started when I was one. You see, when you look at our life, you're probably thinking, well, my story doesn't have that one side. My story is my family grew up. We had, my family are still married. We have a great home. We have a great marriage. I've always grown up in church, and, you know, I teach Sunday school. You know, life is, Christ has always been a big part of my life. Well, that story is still impactful because we see the faithfulness of God through your whole life. So it doesn't matter where you were, what you did, or where you are now. Your story is impactful enough to make a difference to those around us. So I just want to close with this right here. Each and every one of us has experienced some type of wake-up call in your life. When the Lord got your attention that moment, how did you respond? Did you realize just how dirty your canvas of life had become? The ways of the world leading you to your own destruction? If not, what is holding you back? For those of you who have responded to that call, has there been a change in your life? James 2.17 tells us that faith without works is dead. Do your actions in your life mirror your faith in Christ, or do they mirror the world? You go back to our key verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Your story is powerful, and you can make an impact. On our youth trip, the kids had the opportunity to hear from a lot of, a lot of great speakers. 
Um, we had a great time listening to great music and just a lot of, of fellowship. I always say that this trip is kind of laid back, right? Um, and it, the the word of, the, of, of God, the gospel, is being preached to thousands of kids, and I, we probably saw, I don't know, probably 200, 300 kids accept Christ that day uh, over the trip, and it was amazing to see. And all the things that was said, this one statement stuck to me, and he wasn't even our main speaker. But I want to share it with you, and then I want to end with this challenge. And this is what he said. He said, we don't need more people to talk about Jesus. We need more people to live like him. We don't need more people to talk about Jesus. We need more people to live like him. So my challenge to all of you this morning is this. With a new year starting tomorrow, what can you do to live more like Jesus in 2024? Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with a friend. We hope you'll tune back in next time to the Light for Living podcast.